Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey. Round Kushak goes down. Penalty to pass with an old jumper. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Montari do the job. He steps up. Left-footed. Scores for Pompey. They lead it all. Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamalo's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamalo, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. Marquez! Marquez! He's won it! 96 minutes on the clock. Welcome along to Three Lads in the Pub episode. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, I'm joined as ever by Ryan Stilwell and Jeff Harris. And this evening we are down at the Rose in June, just up from uh, from Baffins, along <coughs> near the old prison, which they've now renovated into houses. So I haven't been down here for because I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, good evening, boys. You alright, mate? Yeah, yeah, not bad. How are you? Still tired from Saturday's arduous trek there and back. I mean, I would say, was it worth it? But I mean. I mean, for the for the experience of the game, uh, the the ground and everything else, I imagine so. And obviously, you went with your, your boy as well, so that was that was cool. But not the result. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Less said about the result, the well, better, really. We'll talk about the Sheffield game in a minute. But um, first of all, let me um, say good evening to Ryan Stillwell. Good evening, gentlemen. Who actually fucked his car from that trip? I, I have not <laughs> fucked my car. <laughs> the engine management light has come on uh, about ten miles from home after Sheffield. I mean, on the way home from Sheffield. The so amount I, of miles you do in that car, I'm not surprised you've had that come on. Because well, I've had that car five years and it's already done 88 I remember you drove back... Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember we drove back from AFC Wimbledon with a, with a, a slow punch and didn't realise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my, my PSI was down to like 17 on the front right. I filled it up at the shed outside Wimbledon yeah. and... Uh, it was the next morning when I realised when I went out to the car that it was completely flat. So I thought it may have just been low pressure, 
but somehow it survived the trip home from Wimbledon. Yeah, uh, I mean, to then I, just go completely. I got a text the, the next day, and I was lucky to be alive. Apparently. <laughs> 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 But, <laughs> um, and my car, my car was due at service anyway. So if there is a time for a light to blink on, it's probably apt. But going going back to what I was just saying, eighty eight thousand miles in five years—that's not bad for uh, obviously a glory hunter that goes to you know games <laughs> occasionally. Definitely, I'm surprised she's not higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, that that's, that is ridiculous. Eighty eight thousand, and let's be honest—you use that car mainly for, and obviously you know, you've now got a, a little family, so you do trips then. But mainly, you're uh, well. I got that car for away days. Wow. Uh, that's mental so when I first came out of uni and got a job I got a little I had to get a car straight away because I was working in Chandler's Ford uh, this is fucking great content by the way uh, everyone's <laughs> hanging t- on every this word this is turning into a shit yeah. top gear <laughs> <laughs> but I had to get a car straight away so I bought a 15 year old Toyota Yaris three door for 250 quid and I used to take like four people. Even the landlord's laughing at yeah. this. <laughs> so I took four people plus myself to Hartley pull them back. <laughs> so so 315 miles away, every, like there are 10 crushed kneecaps in the car. And I thought, now I'm doing every single fucking game now. I've got to get a comfier car than this. So I walked into Hendy Ford and went, it has to do 20,000 miles a year. I want sat nav. I want parking sensors. I want to ride in extreme comfort. And the guy went, most people start with the colour. <laughs> so yeah, I, I pretty much bought that car for away days, and it's been a very comfortable ride ever since. Yeah, fair the play. football always, the me- football always being the worst part of it. I've of done course. many away days in that car, and it's um, yeah, hopefully it will comes through. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about football, shall yeah, we? Let's start move on to why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's first of all talk about the Wigan game. Um, first of all, Jeff, what was your prediction again? On my prediction that I'd done in February, I had us down as a loss. But on the last episode, I said we're going to win it by a goal. You were adamant, and well, there you go. We we got the result. Didn't obviously. happen at Sheffield, though, did it? No, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to the depressing part in a second, Jeff. Um, but what a win that was! Oh yeah. Well, I predicted uh, a really valiant, spirited, close defeat. And when we pulled it back to 2-1, it was basically in line with my expectations. Because even when we went 2-0 down on the brink of half-time and then the half-time whistle blew, there wasn't a single boo or discontented murmur around the ground. Because yes, we were 2-0 down. Yes, both goals were down to our own mistakes, but we had played well. We had corralled their midfield around for 45 minutes. We'd created opportunities on goal some of which we never turned into shots or some of them we just didn't get on target Ogilvy's one for example when he gets to the uh, when he gets the cut back and puts it wide there were a couple of Ogilvy balls that Hurst didn't get onto I enjoyed us in that first half to be 2-0 down felt like an injustice getting a goal back I thought you know, we're in the fight but this is what I expect it to be but that Wigan side just weren't ready for it That their fans there that night were not a fan base that looked like they were having a party at no point did I look at the Milton End and going, they look like they're having fun. If you compare that to Notts County, our promotion day, miles apart, <clears throat> totally different. And I don't mean the numbers, but I mean the atmosphere of what the occasion meant to them. And their plays didn't look up for This the goes back to what you said several times. If a team's like, big team like that's not turning up on the day, we're not beating we ex- them. We exploit it. And you, and you were... Yeah, and right I was so game. happy for us to exploit it. Yes, my prediction was wrong, but I'll happily be wrong 46 times a year if it means Pompey win football games, because that's why we're all there. So Wigan went up for it, and we found the touch of quality in the end. We never gave up at 2-0 down. We came out 
thunder and fire second half and we deserved to win that game and through what has been a slog of a season underwhelming finishing 10th the frat and bow out was was class it was brilliant it was a great night Sorry, where, where do we finish 10th uh, we'll get on to that in a bit but <laughs> like my, I just side-eyed Jeff <laughs> like my, my brother doesn't have a season ticket for example um, and he was there that night taking place of my uncle and his daughter who's 13 she doesn't get to Fratton Park often either she took the place of my granddad now my niece certainly doesn't get to Fratton Park that often and it's it's one of those where you're trying to fully convert them into trying to get to more games I was delighted to share in the events of that evening with them to have them there at Fratton Park it's like Jeff when he took his son to was it the, the Lincoln game Lincoln game yeah you know th Lincoln. those are the games that and those are the, the bonding moments with the people you want to do this with and the people you enjoy doing this with so it was a great evening and, and credit to the team for not giving up because we've seen them put the tools down before Ipswich and Rotherham away but Wigan was we, we never gave up on it and we got everything we deserved and going back to your point I've, I don't think the fans expected a win so you know to, to, to a man boy girl woman every single fan that night was just singing and getting behind the team because the, the, like Ryan said in the first half we were unlucky to be 2-0 down we didn't take our chances that Ogilvy one you know you can be critical of it now but if he just opens up his body a little bit more that's that's going in the bottom right corner now in real time when he took that shot it was instinctive and he, he's tried to try to cushion it and place it in rather than get any direction onto it but the team never gave up we we were we were unlucky in the sense that we can go down the other end and they're clinical in front of the goal that's that's been our achilles heel this season we get in front of the goal we create good chances but we're just not clinical enough and that's the difference between average teams and good teams and great teams are we a good team on our day we can be but in the main i think throughout the run of the season where we finished you gotta say we're an average average league one team although i did put a tweet out the other day and say look at our points tally rather than the position if you look at the points tally it's been a strong strong league we all know it's been a strong league but trying to put a positive on the season the points tally would have narrowly just missed out on playoffs in you know last season maybe the season before the other one and it kind of goes in cycles where 74 75 points will get you into the playoffs and this season is just seeing you know you need 80 82 points to get I can only playoffs. see it being that and it is going worse next season and it's gonna, you know you you both raised a couple of raised eyebrows when I said the other week league one is probably becoming the most competitive league in, in world football look at the attendances that turn up to league one matches there, there's top leagues around Europe that don't even get those attendances and, and League One, you know, when you've got teams coming down from the championship that we are, we are hindered to a degree on how much of our revenue we can spend, they're allowed to go above that because of the cost it, it is to be in the championship. So those teams coming down, the likes of Derby with new investment, the likes of Peterborough, they're going to be able to outspend and, and everything else ready for next season. So... I can see it being another 80, 82 points next next season to get in the playoffs. Yeah, can't disagree. I, I agree. And I think the other problem is, well, maybe not a problem, but a caveat of uh, the fact we actually had 
a 70 plus points total of this season is despite the fact that on thi- in in theory that sounds good it unfortunately does not matter because we, we the three of us have sat here and many of fans have reconciled with the truth that every year league one gets better that the top end quality in league one gets better with every single year and it's likely to be better next year as a club as a fan base we're not allowed to well, I personally don't think we're allowed to recognise that the division gets better every year and then, you know, curse the sky that the league is better. Because a better division equals higher points totals for the the, the higher echelons, the top six. We knew going in, we, sp- we speak of, you know, the club knowing the rules at the start of the season. At the start of the season, the EFL did not come out and say, anyone who gets 75 points or above is promoted. Or anyone who gets 70 points or above goes into the playoffs. It's not about how many points you get. It's about your finishing position in the table. We knew going into the season the caliber and capacity of the teams around us. It's not about points totals. It's about finishing above your competition. We are, we're not in a position to bemoan. What is a good point? It is a good points total in theory. But again, the EFL doesn't say 70 points above you're in the playoffs. The EFL says six that are above and you're in the playoffs we knew that going in and we're going out wondering what might have been <sighs> should we end it there <laughs> <laughs> but look, I mean, the weekend game, the weekend game was a fantastic result yeah, it was yeah true, I, true it was just a nice evening under the floodlights you know and, and the whole when Pompey win when Pompey win the whole city is happy when Pompey win like that the city is happy for days yeah yeah, I said to you, my guys, I've not. I've just since obviously the situation with the you know that you know what I'm talking about. I haven't been to many games, not because I've not got the time, just because I just can't bring myself to do it. And that was one game. I wish I was there for that because yeah, it looked like a cracker. But let's move on to another one. And to be honest, I kind of wish I was there on um, when was it the Sheffield game? Saturday. Saturday. 12:30. I don't know what day it is today. Tuesday today. Isn't it? Yeah. What was that all about? By the way, twelve thirty kickoff. I th- so I the reason I believe it's twelve thirty is because it was League One's final day compared to the Premiership Championship League Two. They wanted to schedule all the games at a different time to give the final day of League One its own special focus because there were still teams fighting for the title, for promotion, for the playoffs, and for relegation. The only thing that was not written in stone, uh, that was written in stone, come final day on Saturday, was the fact that Crew were relegated. That was the only done thing. Uh, in terms of what there is to fight for. So I think they scheduled that outside of the 3pm games so that League One gets its own uh, gets its own look. And to be honest, there was there, there were a few turnarounds on Saturday. There were a few times the table changed hands. Mm. I was fine with the early kickoffs. We will never turn up. I mean, look, that's, that's the result 4-1 on the day. Obviously, we went, we went 1-0 up. George Hurst again. That was his third goal in two games. I mean, it's a shame. Well, we'll talk about him later. But <clears throat> I mean, good start to the game, Jeff. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious um, because it was the whole "your dad's a legend and you're a cunt" chant coming out, <laughs> and then Hurst scores at the home end. Uh, yes, obviously Plymouth went one nil down, and then two, three, four, and five to MK Dons within minutes, which rendered anything at Hillsborough moot because Plymouth had to win yeah. to put Wednesday in trouble. But it was hilarious. The guy that. The guy that Sheffield Wednesday fans hate is scoring four minutes in <laughs> on their big day to silence everyone. 
yes, we lost 4-1, and we'll get on to the rest of that game in a minute, but <laughs> two and a half thousand of us, there, there was more laughter than celebration. I was like, Jeff was in front of me in the row, and I was like, it's hushed! He's done it! <laughs> it was just scenes of rapture when he scored, and, yeah. and at first it was like, ah. and it was like, yeah! Huh. So obviously has four minutes in the, on the clock, puts us 1-0 up, and then uh, Lee Gregory... Uh, for Sheffield by the way if he becomes available well I mean what a signing for them in League One I the mean, firepower up top for them is absurd yeah. and that, that was the biggest thing on the day but that goes back to my point earlier about coming down from the championship you're allowed to overspend on wages Sheffield Wednesday were allowed to do that it, it's an unfair advantage to a degree you know because they are allowed to fight, flex that when they're getting crowds like that on a on the final day of the season and high crowds throughout the, the they are going to get high turnover they they can afford to that now if they didn't if they don't go up will they struggle next season probably not but they they might have to shift on one or two players now i turned around to you halfway through the first half and said Barry Bannon shouldn't even be on that pitch the guy he just he just oozed class he just he just seemed like every time he got the ball he was either in the right place at the right time or when he had the ball it's like time just stood still and he was able to do whatever he wanted yeah if you if you look at basically what was the the advanced part of their starting 11 on Saturday it's George Byers Barry Bannon Massimo Luongo Lee Gregory and Saido Berahino that is absurd for League One and then just when you think oh yeah but what about their depth I think it was about uh, it was about the 80th minute 83rd minute actually Callum Patterson comes off the bench for Barry Bannon Callum Patterson is a substitute in League <laughs> One uh, it's like when we played Ipswich at Fratton Park and they, they humped us 4-0 Wes Burns came off the bench what the <laughs> That, the, I mean, the depth of quality is they did ridiculous. Buy every in these single teams. player possible known to man. In that yeah, one obviously thing. Ipswich went for it, but the fact that Callum Patterson can come off the bench uh, in League One, that that depth is but unbelievable. And they're not even automatically going up. They still have to fight through three games. <laughs> Look where if Ipswich they get finish as well, though. By the way, like spending all, all exactly spending all that money. Yeah. There you go. Doesn't always work, does it? No, it but, doesn't. You know, going back to Saturday, it was. I thought we both thought the first one was an own goal. Um, yeah, it looked like Raggett had, had, had it, got it a throw to off it. We both thought Raggett had scored an yeah, own goal, but, but yeah, we were quite high up. Admittedly. There were some contentious issues for the second. It wasn't a corner, in my opinion. I think the ball was already out when he when it's come back. Um, off, I think it was Ogilvy. Uh, it might have been Raggett. I, I'm not sure. Um, it was a long drive back. I had a long, long time to forget. <laughs> but for me, it wasn't a corner. And then they've scored from it. Then there was a potential handball, and they've scored from it. Now we did, we did get away with one where Clark Robertson pushes over Lee Gregory, and that for me uh, that, was that a was stonewall a clear penalty. penalty. We looked at each clear other penalty. like, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you thought, hold on a minute, I, we're one nil up. We've got away with that. Okay, we're in with a chance here. There were some nerves, but they they just seemed to go up again, you know. And that team just... I don't think we, we moved the ball around poorly. I don't think our execution of what we did with the ball was poor. I just think we were beaten by better technical players at yeah. the end of the day. We got our doors blown off by a better team. Yeah. George Byers had to score there, didn't he? I knew of that course. was coming. And it was a lovely header as well. But as soon as, it, as, soon as, I, as, soon as the ball was near the edge of the 18-yard box, I went, goal, 
yeah. and he just got a glance to it. You could just see it opening up. And that's that's why I go back to yes, the points we've got as a as a points tally is good. But then you look at who you look at Saturday and you you look one when a team when it is there and when the gears are are well oiled and the cogs are in motion, seventy three points is still nowhere near where we need to be. The 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 chasm in quality on Saturday and people will go, Well you say chasm in quality, but we've we've just beaten Wigan a few days prior. But I'm talking about when a top six team shows up and they show up consistently. That Wednesday has done that enough to end up in the playoffs. Us beating Wigan has not been done enough to get us in the playoffs. That's the difference there. So we can you know, it, it's disappointing to go from Wigan to Wednesday. These two vastly different performances against a champion and a playoff contender or a, a team that's in the playoffs. But I've called us streaky. I've called us inconsistent. I've called us schizophrenic. You take the Wigan game and the Wednesday game in the space of what four days? It, it's almost like a micro, uh, a micro analysis of our entire season. That one week. Like I said, I, I just don't. I don't think we play poorly. I just bet better We've technical got players got yeah beat us on the on I the think day. first half we were we were poor. Second half we came out and we gave it a much better go. We actually generated some good chances in the second half. Hurst was in one on one with Peacock Farrell. It was actually a good save from Louis Peacock Thompson Farrell. had a chance. Louis Thompson had a chance. Uh, Brian hit the outside of the post with his first yeah. touch. Uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell pushed a ragged header onto the bar. So we had chance in the second half. It became a more open ended game because Wednesday also had their chances. There was one unbelievable uh, bit of Wednesday play where. I can't remember who it was who took the free kick, but he pings a free kick about 50 yards over the top of the defence. Lee Gregory brings it down, just cushions it down with one touch, lobs it over Bazunu, and it lands on the roof of the net by a whisker. And in two seconds, a free kick in their own half has landed on the roof of our net. Yeah, uh, that's that's the the brutality of their quality. That's what we what we don't have enough of I'm not saying we don't have quality full stop we just don't have enough of it consistently another thing that annoys me is fans going well since February we've been great that would be brilliant if the season started in February but as I've been saying for months the season is 46 games long the points total for a win in March is the same as the points total for a win in October and if you get zero points for a defeat in October you're going to get zero points for a defeat in March we have to reconcile before we start these seasons when they start and when they end being good in February until the end of the season isn't enough sums up the season doesn't it and um, which by the way we will do if you're wondering why we're not doing a season review we're going to leave that until next week oh the suspense where we will not be three lads in the pub <laughs> no we will be joined by someone oh. maybe two maybe, maybe two, two. hey that's all we're saying on that. <laughs> um, ooh, the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Jake Smith before the rumours start. Um, to be fair, he he's probably retired from coming on this show now because he came on, was publicly announced that he has a wonderful penis and then he doesn't need to come on anymore. <laughs> he's probably got the best, you know, he's probably got the best success ratio of coming on this podcast ever. Comes on, great penis, go. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Jeff's third eye. Um, <laughs> so something that um, has come out, lads, just before we started recording this at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night was an article released by the news on, uh, I'm sure you'll probably talk about this, Aidan O'Brien. Now, cut a long story short, Aidan O'Brien signed a short-term contract, as we know, um, and it has later transpired that there's been no talks at all between the club and his agent when, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wants to stay and Cowley wants him to stay, but we're in, what, we're on the 3rd of May and there's been no talks between the... Do we not learn from our mistakes from previous I, I think, relative to your season ambitions and the way your season's going, I can understand there are scenarios where you begin contract negotiations later. If we're in the playoffs... Promotion was screwed weeks ago. Exactly, and that's my point. If we were in the playoffs and you don't know what division you're in, fine. But on the 18th of April at 16.58, it was it became mathematically cast iron. It became official we would be in League One for next season. A minute later, someone, unless the entire back office at Portsmouth FC had decided to take a trip to Morecambe Bay, someone should be preparing Cayman to talk Island. to Cayman agents. Island, yeah. <laughs> but someone should be preparing to talk to agents. The moment you 100% know you'll be playing in the same division next season, yeah. you should prepare for that for that season because there is, there is there, no excuse is there, there are no variables what what do we gain by not using Morecambe was two weeks on one day ago why have we lost those weeks and here's why well, here's why you have to act early there is not a we do not have the financial clout as a club to kick in the door at the 11th hour and throw a big wad of cash at a player to turn his head we do not have the financial clout to do so on that basis, if we can't come in at the 11th hour, we have to come in at the first hour. If we can't win a bidding war, because I don't think there's a single player out there, ours or otherwise, that we can win a bidding war on. I think we can be outbid on any single player that we go for relative to the teams that will be in this division next season. Someone will always have a bigger bank account than us. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just means you have to alter your strategy for signing players. So if we can't be an 11th hour team, then we've got to be a first-hour team. If you can't win them with money, you've got to win them with interest, with sincerity, to go out and tell them early on, this is our project, and we keep nagging you. We're going to piss you the fuck off to get your signature on that contract. That should be happening from January onwards, after the January window. Exactly. But especially when you categorically have been... You've had it confirmed to you that you're in League One next season. Why, why have we not used these two weeks? Because these are two weeks that we can use that... Let's say Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland don't go up. We can get a jump start on them. They don't know if they're going to be in the championship next year or not. We do know. So why... Uh, the, the, the word I've heard is that contract negotiations are starting this week. And people are going, well, what, why are you getting up in arms about it again? Because we've lost two weeks. Again, we don't have time to get into bidding wars with the other clubs in this division that we'll be competing with next year. We have to be ahead of these other clubs because we don't have the clout... To go to go full eBay war with them, we don't. We, we, we eBay said, war. <laughs> yeah. We, we, Is that we, where we bought John Marquis from? Yeah. Sorry, go. On. We said a few episodes ago about Morris. Portsmouth isn't a big pool anymore. It's 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 not. Um, those days, those days of being a big League One club, have been proven. We're a, we're a averagely good club. 
And and we will get outbid. And I'm going to say one name. Scott Twine. But, but Ryan, Ryan on Saturday was like, he scored a hat trick. He scored four. I, I <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> frothing with rage. I watched four goals. It was like he had rabies. I watched the highlights <laughs> of that game. He is a joke. It, it is, is an absolute joke. The the varied it, skill set. He, he, he will have one season in the championship. And again, as I said last week, no fee last year would have been too big because whatever it was last year, you've added a zero yeah. onto it now. It is absurd. Let's try over this because you're going to get annoyed. And uh, what what made <laughs> oh, that day me. even weirder? Like, you've obviously got Twine scoring four to to comprehensively send MK to the into the playoffs. Rotherham won it late at Gillingham, so it didn't matter how many goals MK scored at Plymouth. As long as Rotherham won, they were going up. Not only were we getting our asses handed to us 240 miles away, in the battle for eighth place... Pompey, who started ninth on that day, finished 10th. And the, the how of us finishing 10th, there had to be, at the start of that day, for us to finish 10th, there had to be us losing to Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton winning against Fleetwood. I know those two outcomes are not ridiculous in and of themselves, but there also had to be a five-goal swing between us and Bolton in goal difference for that to occur. Now, George Byers scored in the 83rd minute, and I leaned over to Jeff said, if there's one more goal that goes against us, or if Bolton score one more, we actually finish 10th in this race for 8th. In the 96th minute, including a Dion Charles goal, um, someone that's been mentioned on this pod before, Dion Charles won a slide tackle inside the se- or just outside the semicircle at Bolton, and it went in. So he goes in for a slide tackle, and the ball just pings off his foot, flies 50 yards over the goalkeeper into the net. Then in the 96th minute, John Daddy Bothvarsen scores oh, to make impressive. it 4-2 <laughs> and the five-goal swing is complete. So in a season of, that's just Pompey, isn't it? A 50-yard slide tackle and a 96-minute goal it's meant that in our race for eighth, we finished 10th. And so, you know what? I fucking laughed. I was sat in Hillsborough traffic for an hour trying to get out, just going, 10th. <laughs> I mean, he, he, was, he, he was in shock. You know, two names. That's two names we, we, we've spoken about on this podcast that have gone on to, to have... You know, Dion Charles was in the wilderness. You know, he was, he was like Tom he Hanks. He was in exile. He was like Tom Hanks in Castaway, yeah. you know. He was he was sat in the change room <laughs> talking to a football. You know, <laughs> it was... And, and for him to come, we thought, okay, is he going to be a bit rusty? Worth a gamble. But he went straight into that Bolton side and he was He, he was scored five. five in his first nine. Yeah. You know, but look, it's all it's all hypothetical. What could have been, what what should have been. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. We finished tenth. You know, I I jokingly text you guys after the Wigan game when eighth is on. My prediction's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> so the question I want to know is when when that ninety six minute goal went in. Did Jeff turn around to you, or was it the, was the way around? Do you know what? I I I I didn't say anything about the fact we'd finished eighth or tenth. I just went to Jeff. Bolton have fucking scored. <laughs> Oh, and my shoulders just dropped. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And the thing is, it, it was really deflating because I, I, caught a bit of, uh, I caught a bit of flack for saying after watching the Fleetwood game, the first game of the season, I knew we weren't making the playoffs, even though we won that game. And then from then, I've always said ninth through 12th. It was deflating that that was true because, I, I, again, I want to see Pompey win and I want to be proven wrong because I know that some people at the club 
listen to this. And I know that some players have listened to this. I want them to hear me saying 9th through 12th. And I want to hear them saying, this fat fucking prick saying we're going to finish 9th through 12th. We're going to prove that guy wrong. We're going to prove him wrong. We're going to go out there and prove people like him wrong. And that they should believe in us to be finishing higher. And it's deflating that after 46 games, 10 months, all that, all the numbers that I've said before, 9th through 12th, and I pretty much split it down the middle. I've, I remember a certain player being on a uh, Twitter space and being asked, where will Pompey finish the season? And the answer was, playoffs, playoffs minimum. Oh, well, that went well, didn't it? <laughs> it is deflating, so I wanted to be wrong. Yeah, no. And here we are. Yeah. But as and to to be on the other flip side, to be on the flip side of that, we have also said numerous times we're looking forward to next season. Or the dream is that we can look forward to next season because we want there to be a progression from this. Yes, it's concerning that we essentially have to rebuild the team again, but I still want to go into next season with no preconceived notions I still want to go into the first game of next season on July 30th in the blazing sunshine willing with not only willing Pompey to win but believing they'll win and believing we'll see something more than that I don't make these predictions to be an antagonist I make these predictions out of realism I want realism to be seeing Pompey get three points on a consistent basis and nothing will make me happier we want to be sitting here and you know the week before the season starts and saying we're going to finish third exactly we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're going to finish second I yeah. can't see us getting first I reckon second or third not eighth not nine through to twelve yeah and it, that prediction was governed by nothing other than what we see with our own eyes yeah it, you know we, we started this podcast halfway through the season there or thereabouts we had a good understanding where that team was I believe you know, at, that time, yeah. at, at, at that time Danny's come out in the last week or so and said we are straight after the Sheffield game said we need to keep this group of players together you know so getting back to your main point about contract negotiations and that we need to keep this group of players together now if the budget is the same as last year there is no reason why this group of players cannot stay together we're going to free up some wages with Tyler Walker. Thank fuck. We're actually going to free up some <laughs> wages in terms of players we're no longer paying for who aren't here. Because yeah. we're still partially paying for Harrison and Marquis at Lincoln and Fleetwood. So, so we actually Johnson. saved money elsewhere. Jo- uh, Johnson was a loan to Fleetwood. So, so. But I'm not sure if we. If I think from a finance point of view, we're in a better place. If if the wage structure is there, we're about. Now, we spoke to Eric and Andy the other day. They said they want to invest in players. They want to go for promotion. The conspiracy theorists are going to be out today um, on the back of Neil Allen's article about Belvin Bell Bell Chowney. That was hilarious. About, you know, and they were at it straight away for, oh, here we go. You know, get your tinfoil hats on. Only joking, guys. Um, but it's, it, you know, the money is there. So the money is there to keep this core group of players together. Now, we know we need to replace Bazunu. That's going to be a tough ask. We know we need centre-forwards. We know we need a right-back. We know we need a cent- another centre-half. We probably need another central midfield player. So Danny has said, and we've referenced this quite enough time, he wants three transfer windows. This summer is going to be a transfer window. Now, his job, his job is going to be a lot easier if we can keep this, this core team together and we can add one or two quality players on top of that. 
How are we going to get a better goalkeeper? I do not know. So you need to, you need a better centre forward, or you need a better central midfield player, or a better wide player who is going to create those opportunities, create be those consistent eight, nines, tens throughout a season. That's going to come out of premium. Eric, Eric said that you know we should be developing the younger players. We should be bringing in experienced players, and the lone players we're bringing in are players who are, as he said, hired assassins. The ones who've been there, done it. Not not the George Hurst, not the Hayden Carters, where we're developing to send them back. Now there's nothing wrong with that. We need those young players coming in who we can potentially get on loan from Premier League teams or high-end championship teams where the quality is better. We've seen that. Now, we were all critical of George Hurst beginning beginning of the season. I said, what, three, four weeks ago, he's, he's definitely won me over with his performances of late. Would I take him back next season? Yes. But do we need... Do we need... I know James Norwood was, was mentioned the other day. I don't think we'll get James Norwood, but do we need a, a, a striker like that with Aidan O'Brien? Two experienced strikers who know when the pressure is on, they can come into those pressure games and just soak up that, that intensity, soak up that, that pressure from the opposition fans, experienced centre-halves. And then you go, right, I'm going to throw you on now, George. They've been, they've been ruffled up by James Norwood or, George, you've ruffled them up. I'm now going to bring on some finesse. And we're going to... You know, we used to do it back in, back in the 90s where Lee Bradbury used to rough players up and then Paul Hall would just saunter through like no one was there. You know, and Matthias Svensson used to bang him in for fun after Lee Bradbury had roughed, roughed up a player for 75 minutes. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that tactic, but we need, we need to... We need to be doing these contract negotiations sooner rather than later. Now, if it's next week, great. But for me, you've got a new CEO. It's his first full season. You've got a new management team in their first full season. The only constant that is in the club who would have a, a say on transfers and on budgets is the chief financial officer. What has our, been, our, our contract strategy for the last three or four seasons? We wait until they're out of contract, then we renegotiate because they think they're in the upper hand. Well, I've got news for you. We're not Port- anymore. Portsmouth is not a big club anymore. No, and we are not a big club. I, I know we're going to learn. I would make a bit of advice towards Pompey. If you don't have good aircon at the Fratton Park offices, I'd invest in some good aircon at the Fratton Park offices because we're waiting for this new insert what his actual job role will be or job title will be we'll call it the sporting director that's the, what Andy Redmond said we've also got contract negotiations uh, negotiations to handle we're also going to go through a substantial turnover this summer which I don't think would have been was part of the plan initially but it looks like we are going to go for a big number of in and outs and then in a few weeks when the playoffs finish three teams that were in the playoffs are going to realise they're back in League One. Three teams all finished higher than us. Now, we've already got a battle on our hands, having lost two weeks to contract negotiations. We've now got three teams coming down from the Championship, three teams in the playoffs who realise their fate is in League One for next year. A new sporting director is going to have to come in straight away with an armada of hyper-powered League One teams around him, and we have to build basically half a half a playoff challenging at least football team in the midst of all of that in a few weeks what a hard task that is going to be what do you want to see this summer 
I, I, I want to see that squad retained and I want to see I want to see aggressively going in the transfer market and going after players now if MK Dons don't go up I fully expect a championship club to come in for Scott Twine there's one problem gone to be honest some of this, some of MK Don's talent has already been poached. I believe Matt O'Reilly went to Celtic in in January, and they love him already. And people have various opinions on is Celtic, you know, is Scottish Championship uh, Premiership that good anyway? He went to a Scottish club that was playing in Europe. It, it, it's, it's a step up yeah. that one. So yeah, you're right. It, those top talents will be poached, and then they'll be aggressive to replace it and yeah. put on another charge. Personally, I don't mind a few loans because you can't not have you know, loans yeah, yeah I think loans are an acceptable supplement see, to a team I don't want to see, I don't what want to was repeat. worrying to us is we built our core around loans exactly I don't want to repeat it this season because we're uh, let's be honest name a starting 11 how many of them are going to uh, uh, be the beer and gone now I've, I've, I think I personally think what's what holds us in good stead is Man City will see what we've done with Bazzuni and Man City will go here's, here's a here's a prospect that we think is going to be up and coming He's not quite good enough. Jack Grealish on loan. <laughs> He's not quite good enough to be playing Premier League, um, you know, two or regularly. You know, he's a regular in the under-23s, but he's not ready. He's not, not hitting the heights to maybe be on Man City's bench or be in Premier League two starting, whatever. But I think Man City will go, here's the prospect. Ryan's been Googling. Go on. <laughs> to your point, you, you raised an interesting one there. How many of our team turnovers, loans, etc.? I've taken our starting 11 from Saturday, which was the same starting 11 as the Wigan game. I don't ever want, want to hear this. <laughs> of the starting 11 Saturday, four of them are here next year. Fucking hell. Gavin Bazunu leaves. Hayden Carter leaves. Sean Raggett is out of contract. Marcus Harness is out of contract. Louis Thompson is out of contract. George Hurst leaves. And Michael Jacobs is out of contract. So currently, four of the starting 11 that played on the final day of the season for Pompey so, so, is either loney or out of contract. So it goes back to my point of we've got to rebuild a spine of the team. Yes. Oh, and uh, then you look at the bench. <laughs> Seven substitutes, obviously. Jay Mingi is out of contract. Aidan O'Brien is out of contract. Marlon Romeo leaves. Tyler Walker leaves. Sean Fuck. Williams leaves. Or well, is out of contract, I should say. So you've got 18 players in that matchday squad. Two subs and four starters. So six of your 18 are definitely here next year in terms of they, they're not out of contract, they're not loanees. That's a third. This was supposed to be the build into a contender next year, but we're having to start the process again. I thought I was going to now we, word then. I spoke about, I spoke about how teams are trying to build their way out of League One. And I, I compared the likes of us to Wigan. Wigan were a team that tried to rebuild the entire squad in one summer and go for it. I, I actually underestimated I'm going to bring Wigan. these two in. I'm, I'm listening to their conversation over there. Gents, come here. Come and get, get involved in the podcast. Come on. Come, come here. Come on. Come, oh, yeah, come, come on, on. By all means, yeah. <laughs> you can be Let's get some fan week. interaction here. <laughs> I've got one I've got one now it's called Jeff's Third Eye <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts actually we'll get names first who, who are we talking to Harry Harry nice to meet you Harry and Den. Den. Harry and Den, Den Harry. 
Um, should we start? How, uh, well, actually, we'll round off our our point as it was. So we're, we're talking about building the squad. Wigan went for it in one summer, and I thought that's a playoff team right there. Now we we've obviously done it on the basis of supposedly a first rate squad, but whatever. We've we've spoken about that. We've rebuilt the squad to do it over two seasons, but now we're having to do the rebuild again. In in one season again, so we're basically having to do what Wigan did, because we have to be a playoff contender next year. But we've probably got. 10 plus seniors we need to sign mm. it's a lot going on w- Wigan spent I think a total of 600 625 grand on transfers yeah it's Less actually not a lot in, in the ground how much slips we spent considering we spent 200 grand on Denver Hume 5 million Wigan have Wigan have spent 3 Denver Humes to win League 1 yes obviously the, the wages are different but I think it was their owner I can't remember where I saw this it might have been their owner talking about we, we didn't have a big bulk for transfer fees we took what would be transfer fees and pumped it into the wage budget. So 300 grand over the course of a year for transfers, we can just put into a weekly wage budget. So budgets are, you know, what pots you put different parts of money into. And uh, for Wigan, fair play, it's gone and worked. You know, we, we were told we needed to free up wages. Now, I, I f- fully believe that they didn't think John Marcus, Ellis Harrison, Paul Downham would go out in the January transfer window. That all of a sudden freed up a whole host of wages towards the end of the transfer window and we weren't prepared we weren't prepared to recruit we 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 took a gamble on tyler walker he's worked with the cowardies before he scored 16 17 goals for them in lincoln in the league before he went back to to forest got his move to coventry on the back of that that good performance for lincoln and for whatever reason the, the guy just looked shot of confidence whether that had happened before um, coming to Pompey when he played for Coventry, but he'd only scored something like three goals and 21, 22 appearances for, for Coventry in the first half of the season. Danny and Nicky thought they could probably get the best out of him and, and maybe it was a it was a bridge too far at, at that at that point. Have you ever seen them uh, articles where, you know, uh, they, they, it's like a real time of how much Wayne Rooney earns and what... what yeah. But I'd like to see one with Tyler Walker, what we could Tyler have bought. Hall, yeah. Well, Neil Allen reported. <laughs> Neil Allen reported uh, seven, eight grand. So our theory of it being ten grand. I could have bought a bloody house, but, uh, not far I off the money. Could have bought a house with that money. One last, one last point uh, <laughs> on the subject is kind of related to Tyler Walker, and then we'll get Harry down because I do want to hear their thoughts. Tyler Walker's obviously had a, a terrible loan spell here. Whether that's all his fault, we don't know, but it, we can agree it's been terrible. What I don't like is fans trying to retcon the history of George Hurst. Just because 2022 George Hurst has been a force of nature doesn't mean 2021 George Hurst we should erase from history. George Hurst, in September and August, fine, barely played, got like 10-minute cameos. But in latter September, October in general, start of November, he was bad. There is no denying that in October, George Hurst was bad. He was playing full 90-minute games, and he was not influencing games. There is nothing wrong with admitting that. There is nothing wrong with that. And I actually think it does a discredit to Hurst to retcon his history in this season at Pompey. Because part of the narrative about Hurst and part of what makes the narrative so great is where he came from at the start of the season. He went from a striker who Danny Cowley basically, without saying his actual name in November, said, I have to revisit the loan market in January. Hurst was definitely one of the players he was on about alongside 
Miguel Aziz and Gassana Hadmi. He was definitely one of those. Part of what makes Hurst 2022 so great is where he came from. I think it does Hurst a disservice when fans are going, oh, yeah, he was never bad. No, he was bad, but that's what makes his turnaround so good because how much he has worked on it to bring himself to this point now where fans are singing, sign him up. I, I don't think you should take away the part of the journey that was negative because you can't, you can't appreciate what is good without knowing what is bad. You need to have a perspective on these things. So we shouldn't wreck on the history of George Hurst. Leicester are definitely getting a better player going back. Absolutely. Is and he, is he and ready for I like the when players. I like when players walk through the mire and come out looking clean. I, I, I think Hurst deserves great credit for what he's gone through on the pitch, especially at Rotherham, playing in 31 different games, but only accumulating seven full 90 minutes worth of time there and then playing badly here during October and then turning it around. I don't like fans that try to erase that. That You should be proud of that. You should be proud of where you've come from. And it culminates in him scoring at the, in the fourth minute in front of 30,000 Sheffield Wednesday fans who are giving him dog's abuse, no end. And he should be proud of that. And if, if we don't see him at Pompey anymore, I, I'm, I'm happy that in the end we got to see a better version of George Hurst than any other team has. I... I you know the decisions there for Leicester to say is he do they want him in the championship to see how he fares there I know he had a couple of outings in the Premier League the odd five minutes here towards the end of the game that they were cruising to to win but you know the jury's still out can he do it championship level they may want to put him into that mix next season to see how it goes maybe for at least half the season well, let's bring our let's bring our guests in now that we've just um, rudely interrupted to bring over. I've, do you know what? I've Den and I've forgotten your name. Den uh, Harry. Harry. Right. Uh, would you, that's, well, I don't even know these two. What, what's your name? Is it Jeff? Isn't it? Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> Jeff's uh, Bernard. <laughs> you suit Bernard, actually, Jeff. <laughs> He's had half a beard. He's had half him. a burden. You think? Bernard Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Harris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like we've just uh, we just hijacked a couple of Pompey fans, Harry and Den. Is it Den? Yeah, Den. Uh, Den just joined us. Uh, we definitely didn't uh, plan this at all. We've just heard them talking about Pompey in the background, inviting them over. Harry, I come to you first. You obviously joined in the discussion. We're talking about George Hurst. Would you would you take a punt on him next season if the opportunity arose? I would. Whether that would be permanently or on loan, I think you take whatever comes. I'm just hearing Ryan, and obviously he said the beginning of the season he didn't quite. Hit, hit his form as he has done the second half of the season I think it took him a bit of time to adjust to men's football playing 90 minutes every week I think obviously as Ryan's pointed out his time at Rotherham was a lot of sub appearances and he's only actually competed in seven full matches so it took him time to play it week in week out and it did take him time to adjust and obviously then he was behind Marquise and Harrison at points as well during that time so he wasn't getting the full 90 but we're talking off Mike, you know, Walker, Hurst, similar wages. You'd take Hurst, wouldn't you? Yeah, cool. Well, let's hope the opportunity comes. Personally, I'd take him. But obviously, you can't. It'd be criminal not to go for him, at least, for another loan if if the opportunity arose. But how about you, Dan? you in the same boat? Uh, yeah, pretty much, really. Um, the thing that I would say about Hurst uh, early season was when you compare him to Marquis, you know, Marquis, bless him always worked hard you know he ran himself into the ground but his first touch was dreadful <laughs> you know he could not control the ball um, 
but George Hurst always could. You know, that was the one big difference that I saw early on that Marquis didn't have. And playing that style of football, you need someone who can control the ball straight away. And so knowing that he could do that, there was always a potential for him to get better. I think we all saw the potential, didn't mm. we? But you yeah, were so yeah. frustrating watching him. I think I think you got to give some credit to the manager for absolutely. getting the best out of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that gets overlooked, doesn't it? He's one. He's definitely one of the hits from Cowley's mixed bag of transfers. I think. Yeah, let's not mention any of the others. Well, no, but <laughs> I know. Obviously, we were talking about the granddad of the team, Sean Williams. Yeah, you be quiet, granddad. Bernard, you be quiet. We'll bring you in, <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> but. Um, you he's know, he's run out of Werther's Originals. He's <laughs> got his uh, brandy ready. Oh, <laughs> you love a brandy, run it? I do like a brandy. Uh, yeah. But um, um, yeah, so you obviously had a mixed bag of loans, and obviously we all said after Ben Thompson, don't fall in love with a loan player, and I fall in love with three of them. Yeah. Bazunu, Carter, and Hurst, and I would take all three of them back tomorrow, yeah. even tonight. Um, but. Uh, yeah, he obviously had a mixed bag and I think the likes of Williams, I think it's unlucky. I think obviously he's had a wealth of experience in the championship, but he's just that year too late maybe. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did join the coaching staff next season. It's almost a repeat of Charlie Daniels, isn't it? Like we, when he came in, I was so excited to see him and it just, yeah, it just hasn't been. had that, sorry, Ron, I, we all had that memory of him scoring that belter against City oh, at the Vitality what thinking, what a goal we're at, what a guy we're yeah. having now. I held off on Daniels for a bit because at the start of the season he signed a six-month contract with Shrewsbury. My first question was why? With the hope he... of moving to a bigger club, I would imagine. Yeah, but it's, it's Shrewsbury are a perennially a 17th place, 16th place League One team and he's getting a half-year deal at his age in the third tier of football. And I was thinking, why? And then obviously he signs a six-month contract with us as well and I thought, there's something I was a little bit uncertain about this deal and obviously in the end the legs ran out the same with Sean Williams we've said on this podcast several times it's, it's not Williams fault it, people get old their, their talents fade and Callie's admitted he wasn't ever meant to play as much as he has my question would be is why did you have such a yeah. small squad then if part of your already small squad is a player who isn't meant to play much football that that's a contradiction in terms right there yeah. with Williams I suppose you could look at the opposite and you think Michael Doyle was the similar age when uh, he, he arrived he just had great longevity though he did yeah, and he, but he had, maybe Cowley thought oh yeah he, he obviously a, thought he, that he, he could be he a, could. like a leader figure in the but dressing obviously room obviously Cowley also admitted that Williams played way more than they expected him to so how much I mean, football was he actually expecting yeah. him to yeah. play maybe, in the also, maybe I, 10 I, starts I 15 think. starts I also think we shouldn't be too hard on Sean Williams. To be fair, he played more than Cowley wanted him to. But he played out of position. He was never supposed to play that many games. He played centre-half for a number of games. He's never played centre-half before and he'd done a bloody good job for the team. I actually think I'd put, I'd put Kieran Freeman in that as well because we only had three fit defenders during that time and Kieran Freeman was playing out of position as a centre-half and although he did make a few mistakes I think he was him and Williams were definitely scapegoated but two wins in 15 games it can't just be two it's players it's, good it's the we, whole team should we just go home yeah but why <laughs> Kieran Freeman's an odd one to me though because he essentially he was supposed to be Callum Johnson's replacement but I haven't seen anything from Kieran Freeman that because Callum Johnson think... didn't have and Johnson would fit the mould 
of this new model we have, which is buy young, develop and sell. Johnson's out of contract soon, so we've bought him for two hundred grand. I'm not, yeah, and he's about to leave for two hundred. I'm not going to be too critical, but he's been a bit of a disappointment for me, Freeman. Um, I, I thought he was competent. I think last he's done year. okay. Yeah, I thought he was competent mm. to go on loan to Fleetwood, and uh, obviously in the last year of his contract, to me is concerning. It's not the player I thought we would we'd signed. That's all I'm saying. I, I thought he'd be better than he has. I mean, he's had opportunities, but he's made too many crucial errors for me I don't think Cowley expected probably to sign Romeo no I think Freeman was probably signed as our starting right back and Romeo came up as an opportunity that you simply couldn't turn down yeah Johnson is an interesting one as Ryan said I think something happened last season when Cowley came in for those eight games clearly made it known that Johnson was nowhere near what he wanted yeah and then went see you later as soon as the first opportunity came don't think we'll see him again no I mean, if you go back to the point about loan players, we've had, what, seven players, eight players on loan in total this season. You know, definite hits of Bazunu, Carter and Hurst. The jury, Romeo first half of the season is quantum leap to Romeo the second half of the season. You know, whether that was COVID or whether Dipper form or where we referenced before, that was he the best player in a particularly poor performing team. So his performances looked a lot better than what he actually was. And then the rest of the team caught up and he kind of tailed off and that was his average. Um, and the misses were definitely Aziz, Walker and Ahadmi. But look, if we hadn't if we hadn't signed Ahadmi on the back of his pre-season form, everyone would have criticised the Cowardies and said, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. So he was a definite gamble. Now, for whatever reason... Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank saw a player enough of a player in that behind doors friendly at St George's Park to suggest that there is a player there he he has started for Burton quite a lot since since going there on a permanent obviously uh, scored against yeah. us obviously um, <laughs> you, you know and it and it's there's a player there maybe the the difference for playing for Pompey at the likes of having walked Laville where he scored a hat-trick to playing at Fatton Park on a Tuesday night shooting towards the Fatton end it's a quantum leap in pressure and everything else so on on the balance of probability on the loans you could say you know 50-60% of the loans were, were spot on and they've got some things wrong that's you know, life to use the cliche that's football and life <laughs> look at the loans at Kenny Jacket what about Lloyd Isgrove <laughs> Just put yeah. that out there. Yeah. Bryn Morris. Omar, Bryn Morris. O- Bryn Morris. Omar Bo- Bogle. <laughs> you know. The, the, Not every ev- loan can be a hit. No, exactly. And and the, the Cowleys talked about players with the right character, the right temperament, being able to deal with the pressure, being able to deal with when the crowd are on your back. But as we, as we said, you know, Tuesday night against Wigan, there was no pressure on that team and they went out and performed. That's the environment we need to create at Fratton Park week in, week out. Before we go on to our favourite uh, subjects in a second, uh, to- um, uh, subject, um, what's the word? Uh, I've been doing the week. Yeah, uh, Harry, Harry has told us he's an he's a avid listener of the podcast, which is great. So we're look- I bet you're looking forward to this. Uh, before, we, before we let you uh, guys carry on with your beers, um, f- come to you first, Harry. You must have heard us talking about, we haven't done a season review as such, but... Let's get your your opinion on the season. Is it, is it as you expected it to end, or were you were you hope were you hopeful for a bit more? As a Pompey fan, Rora is expecting yeah, to try and get a minimum of playoffs. I think that's always been the expectation since we've got in this league. But you know, 
Ryan said many times. I seem to tend to agree with you quite a lot. Oh, don't just speak in sense. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Oh wait, that's me. Uh, <laughs> what about Bernard? Uh, he's on the back burners. Um, when you go on a run of two wins in fifteen, and we went on the amazing run before Christmas, and then obviously COVID and stuff, and then we finished quite strongly by Wednesday. Thank you for George Hurst winning me twenty-five quid, by the way. Um, Every cloud. You know, we finished mid-table because we deserve to be there. When you go on a, a crap run as we did, and then you go on a good run, you will find yourself in the middle of the table. It's just a shame that we started to play well when it was too little, too late. You know, you think that last minute against Morecambe, the three all against Fleetwood. From Joe Nyunger, who used to play like two miles up the road. Yeah. <laughs> like all these Didn't he have a trial here and we said no? I, I think he did. Uh, and obviously we, we can't go and sign every single player. No. But it's just the way that our playoffs official or playoff hopes officially ended from a guy that used to play non-league up the road. He's like, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> See, it's normally that or a scummer that it, normally exactly, ends yeah. it, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, it's just little, little results here and there and losing to Cheltenham and stuff. Yeah. Teams that you should beat but then we only lost one game against all the top six at home all season, and that was to MK Dons. Yeah, that, it's, it's yeah, the away form to the top six that form. was bad. Yeah, because under oh, I'm trying to think, is it? It was under Paul Cook, wasn't it? Where the home form was atrocious, but the away form was mm. bad. Oh, we were going everywhere, but we've gone complete games. opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, what? Another question. I'll come to you in a minute, then. Uh, what do you want to see in the window from from the own from well okay from the owners to the to the manager? What do you want to see? I think harsh to say ambition. I think maybe that's a bit not that we don't because we haven't not shown we have shown some kind yeah. of ambition in the signings because the board the Eisners wouldn't fork out on high wages on Walker and Hurst if they weren't willing to try and push for playoffs. They wouldn't do that. They just turn around and say no. Have a a kid from non-league or something use Dan Gifford or something well Bryn Morris yeah <laughs> just one maybe one star signing that will wow us someone that we Statement can signing as they say like, a, yeah. like Joe Morrell has been brought in for X amount he's been brought in to build the midfield around him can we get Hurst on a permanent maybe I don't know how much it would cost Carter's probably performed way too good. He should be at Blackburn next year if Blackburn have got any kind of football sense. He should be in their team next year. You know, you it all depends for me on start off with the out of contract players. You get Raggett. Obviously you were talking about O'Brien earlier. Obviously I saw the article as well. How the hell are you not on that straight away? If he's got that Pompey bug, which the article claims he has, you should be on that mm. straight away. Yeah. I think sorry to interrupt. I think the the argument around people saying, "Well, we might be waiting for a," a sp- <laughs> I mean, that may as well be my catchphrase. Uh, the the argument around, well, don't we shot every time he says it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't make it the end of a podcast, otherwise. The argument around, well, we're waiting for a sporting director to come in before we start these negotiations. That's nice. Um, Oxford won't be. Plymouth won't be. We've always the, waited until the end yeah, of the season, the even when Catlin was here. And the, I've thought, maybe some of the players, you can yeah. wait that long. But players like Watmore, we have missed out. Yes, it might have been a risk. But he's stayed fit majority of the season for Wigan. Yeah. So the either playoffs, the playoffs he's lucky and Wigan have got lucky, or 
there's something wrong with our medical department that meant that it's not as good as Wigan's. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's the training facilities. There's that as well. Because there's been, this has been an issue, not since Jacket, not since um, Cowley's been here, but when Jacket was here and since we've been at Rocco, in all honesty, there have been very similar, sort of like, you know, um, muscle injuries that are affecting the players. And if they're particularly prone to that, we're signing sort of like players like Thompson, for example, who is injury prone um, and they're managing his fitness. Thompson, uh, you know, these these players that you're bringing in that are injury prone. and You need to give them a carpet to play on, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got, you know, they've got to look at these training facilities and say, you know, is there something actually fundamentally wrong there it's interesting you say that because it's been mentioned by management about the training facilities hasn't it I don't know Howley has said yeah, that it's say, not, not to the good of our said we were playing underwater in January when I mean, it hadn't actually rained that much in January which is concerning <laughs> no, so not Alex blaming Bass's, that on our abysmal season but Alex Bass's <laughs> opening interview at Bradford as well yeah I mean that was yeah. definitely <laughs> throwing shade like, okay we haven't even played this week and we're already <laughs> losing yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dan, I'll come to you. I'll ask, ask you the same questions as I asked Harry. Your your over overview on the season uh, was it what you expected? Um, it, it was, to be honest. Um, I've been supporting Pompey for close on thirty five years now. Um, not always that avidly. Sometimes incredibly avidly. But yeah, yeah. I've I've seen the good days. I've seen the bad days, and it's I've become immune to it yeah. <laughs> really it is it is what i expect you know season full of hope i th- my the thing that i've um thought about a lot from cowley in the summer you know he had all these trialists in there was one player that was linked with pompey really really strongly from the very start and that was scott twine <laughs> You know? fucking, Honestly, I hate this. I'm I'll going bet, home. I bet you guys thought you could go this one you know podcast yeah. without mentioning it. Do, you know yeah. do you know what made that brilliant? We four as, goals on the last As you were mentioning, a player that we were linked with, Ryan Smirked, yeah. and I knew it was coming. <laughs> but but you got to look Three, at two, one. <laughs> but you got to look at the season that he's had at MK Dos, oh, and uh, uh, you know, ultimately, we didn't get him. Um, <laughs> we saw the disease. You instead. know, he, he yeah. <laughs> And you know, fair play. You know, Aziz is incredibly talented player, but not ready for this. No. Does it also show to not yet? believe Arsenal fans' is hype because they wanted him in the first team and I he's mean, clearly Arsenal nowhere fan near ready? On Twitter, it's just yeah, a bunch I, of eleven-year-olds. I think they thought he was like um, <laughs> Mike, microwave ready, yeah. Emil Smith Rowe. You know, give him yeah. a few. I've games t- I in. tend to ignore what uh, opposition fans are saying about a player coming on loan or a player that we signed because well, they know Brian was terrible. Exactly. According to some exactly. of the fans. And then the next the next set of tweets were, oh, look who's to score for Pompey. There you go, shut up. You know, not, ev- not, not every signing is going to work and not every player works out at every club. Adrian yeah. O'Brien is a prime example of that. Sunderland then, you you also him. look at Marquis and Harrison. That's you what know, I was the first, say, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the first two games they played, they're scoring. Yeah. But, it's but they haven't been consistent. It's always you know. the way, isn't yeah. it? But, you know, Aidan O'Brien's come here and he's got as many goals for us in X amount of months than he did in Sunderland in, in, in exactly. however I, his contract I, I was. I saw a couple of Pompey fans the other day when Aziz made the Arsenal bench went, oh, we can't be that bad. Look, Cowley got it wrong. Portsmouth fans are toxic. Look at the injury. And I was like, 
George Hurst played in the Premiership two seasons ago. You know, two or three games, he came on for five, ten minutes. Yeah. Aziz is nowhere near ready. And lastly, Den- his best touch was that miscontrol. In his first game, he <laughs> miscontrolled it, and he, he's totally taken this. I can't remember who it was. Totally took his opposite number out of the game by a miscontrol, and I thought, that's his best touch all game. <laughs> uh, and, fi- and finally, then obviously, what do you want to see in the window for and, and looking ahead to next season? Again, I think I agree with what Harry says. You know, you've got to have that one signing that actually really sets that sets the supporters' hearts alight, sort of yeah. thing. Um, for me, I'd love to see someone like Cole Stockton come in. Yeah, you know, he's he's had a stunning season. He's done so well. I think he suits the style that Cowley wants to play. Um, He's prolific. He's he works hard. He's got good touch. Um, but it, there's got to be something there. There's got to be something. Yeah. I, I do. I do wonder about this paying really high wages on these loan players that come in and maybe don't perform. Um, but it's how Cowley's operated in the past, and it's worked. I mean, it for has him, worked. So. It's worked for other managers. Yeah, as well. absolutely. I personally, on a personal level, I don't want to see all these trialists coming in. Because, no, absolutely not. Well, this is supposed to be the go for it, yeah. Exactly. And if we see that, then seeing trialist has set up trialist to score one on one with the goalkeeper in our friendly with Haven is not a going for it, yeah. Out of all the trialists, how many of them have come come good? <laughs> Barely That's a question. Any. I mean, I know. Did anyone? Did anyone? No, I'm talking yeah. about this season with yeah. Cal. Oh yeah, none. Did anyone hear Neil Harris in the background? By the way. <laughs> That's why she's baby crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, lads, um, Harry and Den, thanks so much for coming on. Please stick around and enjoy the rest of the uh, the podcast for us. Uh, yeah, because it's good to get. I mean, I met genuinely. We didn't. We didn't like you know plan for this. I, I genuinely thought the two of them were just having a chat in a pub like people do. Who are these dickheads talking about Pompey? And yeah, yeah. Oh, they've got microphones. <laughs> <laughs> we do get some strange looks, but we're, we're fine. But lads, thank you very much for coming on. Definitely join us again. Pleasure, we'll, thank we'll, you. Next time we're down here. Up the blues. Up the, Up blues, the blues, definitely. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, Cheers, folks. That leads me on to our next uh, feature, which um, I'm sure, Harry, like you said, you're a regular listener. You're, you'll appreciate this. Dub and Din of the Week, which is brought to you by Lumberjack Supps Company. And thank you for... Uh, sponsoring that Matt we appreciate that um, but just before we do this there is a new feature that if you do want to sponsor Jeff's third eye <laughs> <laughs> then please do contact us <laughs> so oh, so God. far uh, potential sponsors for Jeff's helmet um, <laughs> Jeff's Corey Jeff's Bishop uh, we've got Jurex. <laughs> we've got Newman.com. You've seen those ads. Bishop, Bishop's Movers. Bishop's Printers. Bishop's, Bishop's Printers. Printers, they are. <laughs> Jeff printing his third eye onto Pop. <laughs> I mean, it writes itself. It uh, really does. So if you do want I it, like it, though, because it is. I've, I did it at Hillsborough. I, when, when we started getting our asses handed to us, I was like, right, I'm just going to look out for. Uh, he shouted at the top of his voice I'm playing Jeff's third eye yeah, I'm playing <laughs> Jeff's willy like, so I started doing it because we had nothing else to do so I like the segment Jeff's got dub and din of the week though which has been solid throughout the podcast go for it let's do it so din of the week is this the last one by the way this will, will be, be the last one because yeah. we don't really have a week to talk about now so I mean, yeah, we're not going to fit it in next week are we let's be honest no. the, the, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I think mm. din of the week I had to <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, 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 oh trust me, I've got a dub and dinner the season plan. <laughs> <laughs> dinner of the week, I had to do a bit of a spin the wheel on this one because nothing's really stood out to me as a massive dinner of the week. So there isn't really one that I can give with much conviction. I'm just going to go with. Can I throw a couple of suggestions? Bar means. I think the Plymouth fan base for celebrating promotion before it even happened. <laughs> yeah, that that night I was at Home Park that night they beat us one nil. Um, the fucking, even still this week, even the, their Twitter the lights, account, the light show they're going up. Even their Twitter left. account are like uh, hinting that they're going to get yeah, into the playoffs. And they got pumped five nil. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. To be honest, the, the dinner we cast going to get who, who, whoever planned the road system in Sheffield. <laughs> it took me seventy minutes what to get out of roads? Sheffield. It is absurd. I don't know. How did it take you that long? It literally took me half hour. I don't know. And I was parked 800 metres up the road. This is a whole new feature. The amount of run-ins he's had with getting out of grounds, parking, locations. Exactly. Oh, it's horrible. Ryan's Ryan's road rants. We pretty much went through the entire first half of the five live coverage of, was it Burnley Watford on Saturday? Before we made it out of Sheffield. Plus half-time, plus the pre-match stuff. Oh, I like Sheffield, I like Hillsborough, and to be honest, I'd like to go back next year, but do not drive out after the game. I, honestly, I literally turned out of Asda's, turned left, and was on the road out of Sheffield straight away. Oh, see, I, I did make the comment of, I learned to drive a car in London. Yes. I'm not stopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was there for ages. Um, so when, you, when you're in the army, did you drive in any 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 weird places? The weird places, you know. weird places in the army. Bosnia, Basra, Belfast. So you used to driving in uh, <laughs> <laughs> downtown Sarajevo. Yeah, exactly, Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so the dinner of the week goes to whoever designed the roads out of Sheffield. Well, yeah, there you it's, go. it's a it's a weak one, but I I don't have much for this week. Go on, but what about dub then? Dub uh, is actually going to be a contender for dub of the season. Oh, right. Uh, and a genuine dub of the season contender. It is a bit of a long-form narrative, so bear with everyone. Smoke oh, them sh- if you've got them. Another uh, battery, please. <laughs> uh, this one goes to everyone involved with the football club and everyone who went to the Wigan game on Tuesday. So, the story behind this dub of the week is that uh, through Mark Coates one of the guys that does uh, sometimes does the commentary for QA Radio for home games on match days, he informed me that there's uh, a former para, long-time football fan, great guy all round. He's got a... He's been diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer and 2022 is going to be his last outing. He, he's got months to go. Even with treatment, he's probably not going to see Christmas and he's got two young lads um, from my from having spent some time with them on Tuesday for the Wigan game I'd say one's a teenager young teenager and one's not even a teenager I might be wrong but from my from my perception of them that's what they seem like so the Mark reached out to me on the Tuesday saying look the dad's got terminal brain cancer the club have given him and his kids VIP tickets for the Wigan games. They can they can uh, make some memories together before things come to pass. Um, the father was unfortunately too ill to make the game uh, in his condition, so the the kids went instead. The problem is the kids lived on Hailing Island, and they had nowhere to get to the game. So Mark texted me, phoned me, and said, Look, "Are you are you? I assume you're going tonight. Do you have the time to go get them?" 
Fortunately, I finished work early because I knew it was going to be a busy one. So I had the time to go and pick them up, drive over to Hailing Island, get them to the ground, wait for them after the game, drive them back to the home on Hailing, and then go myself afterwards. And that, that gave me the time to, to speak to them in the car on the way. They're on the way back. And these are, these are good kids. They're, they were good company in the car ride. It, yes, you know... I know, I know Mark wanted me to talk about this and he was all of praise for me for doing it. <clears throat> in actual reality, I only lost like two hours of my day, which is nothing compared to what these kids are going through. These are young kids losing their dad and, and they know they're losing the dad. It's not like a spontaneous thing. Every single day for the next few weeks, months, they're going to go through this, this heartbreaking ordeal. So I got them to the club. They had their VIP tickets in the, in the South. They got treated well by the club. They got a load of signed merch. Uh, after the game, sign ball, sign programs, the like. And it, it was a perfect storm that evening because we played well. Even at 2-0 down, we played well. We showed fight, we showed grit, we showed spirits come back from 2-0 down. So there was that. The atmosphere that night was incredible. Uh, I loved being at Fratton that night. Everything was electric. We never stopped going. We never stopped believing. And then to complete the turnaround, that was a great moment that will live with me. A, for just the fact it was a fun night. But these kids, this family are going through something horrible. Horrible. I wouldn't, wouldn't wish this on anyone. And driving them back to Hailing afterwards to drop them off, I saw genuine smiles. I saw genuine happiness and excitement. They, they got into the car... And they were excited. They had the signed merch. The club had treated them well. They'd seen a great game of football. They couldn't stop talking about the players who didn't give up. They couldn't stop talking about how great the atmosphere was. They couldn't stop talking about how nicely they were treated. The following days, weeks, months are going to be horrible for these kids and that family. But for one night, and one night only, this football club, its players... It's management staff, it's backroom staff, it's fans. They all whipped up a perfect storm of atmosphere, grit, quality, a victory, being kind to people to put two smiles on two kids' faces during what will be one of the worst times that they'll ever experience in their lives. And as I said earlier in the podcast, I know some players listen to this. I know some of the club listen to this. I'm not sure if it's always or if it's just voice you know clips they get passed along i hope everyone at the club gets past this because i'm talking to each of you right now at the club and each of you every single fan who sang one single song at tuesday night every single player who did something on tuesday night every single bit of the coaching staff that inspired the players every single backroom member <coughs> at the club andy cullen all the office staff every single person who went tuesday night did something that made these kids evenings in a time of great grief and great challenge ahead of them and I, I thank all of you for doing it now I know, I know I've been critical of this team but I've done it within reason but I, have the, I also have the capacity to say thank you to all of them thank you to all the players the management staff everyone at the club for making these two kids go home happy with smiles on their faces because there won't be too many smiles for these kids in the days and weeks to come it, it was it was an amazing evening and driving them back they, they they loved it and that could have gone a lot different that night 
and yeah so that that's my I think that's a genuine dub of the season contender because it was a perfect storm and this club football can football can be a force for greatness and it can bring people together it can make you feel great highs terrifying lows but everything about this club came to get and didn't even know it they didn't even know we you two didn't know this you're only just finding this out now but everyone on that club on Tuesday night came together and they sent they sent those two kids home happy and well, it was a pleasure to spend time with them this is where we do this is your life moment because we Liam and I did know about it yeah and we can see how much this means to you I can see I can see the tears in your eyes when you just explain that and Liam and I said we Mark Mark reached out to us and told us so <laughs> um you know and Liam and I went whatever Ryan says Ryan is also included in that you are because because you've played you've played everything you've just said you have had an integral part in their happiness that night. Now, you know, not to steal your fund on that, but we've also had the comment that the guy that Jake Oh, yes, met, yeah, by all means mentioned that, You yeah. know, and, and, you know, he, he reached out to Jake, recognised Jake, and, and told Jake that he'd, he'd been struggling with some mental health issues recently, and that the, you know, the guys at Express and the Football Hour and the pre and after match commentary, the podcast has helped him through that. And, and it really touched us all. I know it, that touched us all because we, we okay, we, we're doing something we love and, and, you know, we meet up once a week and we talk about that. But, but to hear comments about how we generally help people in, in, in their, maybe their hour of need, maybe give them a bit of reality, give them a bit of, bit of home life if they are moving away. But for you on Tuesday night, like I said, Mark actually reached out and, 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 and texted us and I just want to add that on the back of that, I spoke to Spencer, who's the chairman of the Armed Forces uh, Supporters Branch, and we, as a supporters branch, are also going to buy the two boys Pompey signed shirts. Brilliant! So I've already I spoke, know that. That's brilliant. I've spoken to Andy Cullen and Johnny Moore. They're going to get the shirts for us. We, as a supporters branch, are going to buy those shirts for them, and we're, we're going to hopefully get someone from the club to turn up at their house, and uh, maybe I can ask that individual on Monday. Um, but you know, Johnny, if you're listening, I need the shirts first, please. <laughs> I think this. I just know sums, that that's class. I, this I just sums that. up what our club is. It is a community club, and and in, that, in the hour of need, we all do come together. But yeah, I, I know. I mean, like Jeff just said, there we we were going to give you. Well, I think you deserve to be in that double the week, mate. So well done, honestly. It uh, was as I said, two hours out of a day. I know you haven't done that to to for bragging rights. I know. I oh, know. Like, as I said earlier, two two hours out of my day. To, to get them to the game and back is is nothing compared to what they were going through and I <clears throat> the the pleasure of their company was payment because yeah. these are good kids they're grounded kids they're, they they're actually good conversationalists and, and seeing them excited afterwards driving surprised they got a bloody word in with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was it was lovely and it was one of those moments where again uh, I hope someone does this part someone does pass this along to every single player every single back office uh, work every single management staff who's involved in Tuesday every single fan who sang a song Tuesday you all played your part in 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 something special that night yeah fair play um um, apparently you've just been mentioned in a current Twitter spaces I'm only mentioning this now because that's dub and din and I didn't want to go straight into let's talk about Jeff's third eye straight after what you've just mentioned there but yeah well done mate uh, well done everyone involved with that Jeff's third eye 
Go on, Jeff. Oh, we, yeah, we're definitely the sponsor for this, by the way. We, so we need a jingle. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, how do I follow that, that Churchillian speech of, of, of Ryan? Um, so I had a dream. Yeah. So, where do I start? I've got several written down. Firstly, Tom Naylor getting nutmeg by Marcus Harness before George Hurst scores his uh, goal against Wigan. <laughs> What the fuck was going on with Ryan Tunnicliffe's hair? I thought he was auditioning for Trolls 3. <laughs> you know, I, I, what? The, the, there's Top Knots and there's like looking like Mr. Majika. Yeah, Top Knots has met with some scepticism in recent he honestly, years. He honestly resembled a troll in Mr. Majika. If you don't know who Mr. Majika is, it's an it's a old 90s children's TV programme. Google it, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> um, the linesman flagging for offside when it wasn't offside he clearly didn't understand oh, that's, yeah that was clearly right didn't there, was understand a back, the offside there was a backward header from a defensive yeah, player you yeah. know if a, if a defender makes a deliberate play at the ball it's not offside the most bizarre one when Aidan O'Brien scored and he slid across the floor Sean Raggett goes up to him and fingers his arse <laughs> now, now, it was Tom from 4 0 who captured that. that. It was Tom from 4 0 who captured this. That Raggett walks over, and you can physically, physically see <laughs> O'Brien clenching his buttocks as, as Raggett is fingering him. I mean, come on, Sean, there's gold celebrations, and then, uh, oh. you know. Um, I love this Jeff's picture. third eye is all about bum action. <laughs> the, the, Wigan, the Wigan bench celebrated their second goal like they just won the, uh, the, the, the you know, Champions League. So fuck off. <laughs> um, the announcer at Sheffield Wednesday, it was brilliant. So much apathy in his voice. Goal for Portsmouth, George Hurst. <laughs> That's what it was like. It, it was, was the, it the was lack like, of energy oh, in his fuck. name. Yeah, yeah. But if you heard the Liverpool announcer, even when they score... Um, Ryan resembling the Nab Tower Foghorn with his rendition of Blue Army my my somewhat notorious rendition of Blue Army where it's really elongated and warbly Um, but the the most bizarre one was when Sheffield equalised one of their fans to the stand to the right of us got up and he was just gesticulating about sucking some appendage of his body so he done that the first time. Almost testiculating, but um, <laughs> he done it. He, it he, he done it. He done it the second time, and on the third time, while whilst he's thrusting his, you know, cock towards the fatten, <laughs> uh, towards the, uh, the 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 Pompey fans, and grasping his balls like he's doing a Michael Jackson's tribute act, <laughs> a eight year old kid knee slide in front of him and stopped perfectly in front of his groin as this bloke is thrusting reminiscing a scene from a 15th century church stained glass window <laughs> with a little boy bowing down in front of a priest <laughs> and I looked at Ryan and went what the we're going to get an fuck? angry letter from the Catholic church <laughs> after this yeah, the Vatican's going to yeah. be banning the podcast but I was like does he realise what he is doing? <laughs> Goodness I, I, me. I, oh, so they were I, the third eyes from last week. I have, uh, I mean, that's an extraordinary list. It probably goes to show how much we didn't want to watch 
the game on Saturday <laughs> as the score be que- uh, became, you know, two and three, that Jeff had uh, the capacity to pick all of this up. Off the back, so just quickly, off the back of what you were saying the other week about the, the screen, a lot of people noticed that at the game. It's true, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've Every had time we attack, it goes we've wide. Had since about the whiteboard. Uh, I've got two contributions to Jeff's pork sword. Um, <laughs> one of them is that if you look towards the home end at Hillsborough, there are two supporting pillars for the stand that go down. The gap between one of them, which there's, is the direct line to the goal. There, there's a gap of like there's a there's a line a diagonal line of seats angling from the goal to the pillar and then the seats behind it where fans deliberately don't sit. So there's two like empty gashes of seats angling away from the pillar. <laughs> Gash. Well, <laughs> but the most interesting thing was uh, one of the supporting pillars was in the stairway of the stand. So one of the supporting pillars blocks off the stairway to a stand that's got a capacity of like 6,000. Are you moaning about our restrictive viewing? Yeah, well, they've only got two poles, but then again, it's restricted walking. But in the the away end, it's like six poles. Oh, there are poles everywhere. Yeah, so that was weird. I've actually noticed, um, I've actually noticed a Jeff's Claymore here tonight. Out there, there's a sign uh, and it's got like you know various features about the pub we're in, the Rose in June. I've noticed what appears to be a spelling mistake on it, an unfortunate one. Halfway down, you'll see an advert for an Outback Bar, but correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen. It actually says Outback Bra. What are you looking at? You're, you are so correct. That, that, that white paper sheet halfway down, Outback Bra, what but the, the R's in front of the A. But the white piece of paper that is also the other way around. Yes, but the <laughs> A is after the R. <laughs> He's right. It's an outback bra. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm more impressed that you can read backwards like that because I. Oh, I'll tell you something else. I found out about Mr. Stillwell on Tuesday night. Go on. How many languages do you speak? Oh, I knew this. So, so this is why he can pronounce that Scandinavian. Name. Oh, I know. You can speak Chinese, can't you? Uh, Japanese. Japanese. All right. So, uh, how I many s- is it? Uh, six. I speak six languages. <laughs> Just six. Just six. Yeah, why not? Uh, what are can- they? Uh, English, French, German, Spanish, Japanese, and the the sixth language is the wild card. It's Old Norse, so it's the language <laughs> of the Vikings in the ninth century. What the fuck? Which has kind of strong ties to modern day yeah, Iceland. He'll be given a lecture at Pompeii Uni of of the crop rotation of the eighteenth century. Right. <laughs> in in Japanese, how was the weather this evening? What was that? In in Japanese, how was the weather this oh, evening? My, my Japanese isn't that good. It's okay. been a long time since I've done it. Right, I, there's one of our Pompey fans, actually. Uh, I'll give him a shout out. He was the guy. In Japanese, you, please. You remember, you may remember, he was the guy that accidentally voted for Crew to win instead of a Pompey win when we oh, went yeah. to Crew in March. Uh, Matt Lowton, I believe he has a PhD in Japanese studies. Wow. So this is a guy that. I just want to hear him talk Japanese. <laughs> Say something. Uh, listen, 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 listen. You're Genki Deska. We've gotten enough trouble of him doing impersonations. Let alone, <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let alone, let alone let alienating a whole nation. <laughs> oh, but that's impressive. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that about I Ryan. I never knew that. Yeah, I know lots about Ryan that you don't know about him. I, I have no idea what I that means. <laughs> I'm kind of worried what he thinks he knows. Well. Um, but that's uh, yeah, that's Jeff's, Jeff's third. Like, do you know what? This is the longest episode we've ever done. That's I, I'm gonna guess uh, an hour and forty or oh, hour and thirty. Not bad. Oh, there you go. Not bad at all. Uh, Atoll shate. I think a lot of it. Atoll shate. Speaking Viking for us. What's that? Vi- the Viking. Speaking Viking for us. <laughs> well, you said you speak the Viking uh, language. Tharas pierdan kviordan in battlelong. 
That's impressive, isn't it? Something to do with battles. Something like that. Uh, correct, yes. <laughs> George, Jeff's a secret Viking, is he? Uh, cheers, Bernard. According to Ancestry uh, DNA, I'm 3%. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and the I'm re- also 11% Scottish. And, and 70% Bernard. Bravo! Ber- <laughs> <laughs> 70% Bernard. Uh, cheers again. Is that the episode title right there? Bernard. 70% Bernard. No, just Bernard. <laughs> episode 21 is called Bernard. Um, big shout out to the guys that joined us. Uh, cheers, lads. Cheers, Up the blues. Cheers, Harry. Uh, Harry and, and Den. Den. Uh, thank I, you very much. I said much. Den. Right, let's not I get. Into, say Den. Let's not get into yeah. a domestic. Go on. There's Den of the Week. Hey! Hey! Den of the Week. It writes itself. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's third eye. <laughs> Jeff's helmet. <laughs> I need one now, don't I? Jeff Bernard. Um, but yeah, one of my most enjoyable episodes, lads. So we've got one next week. We're going to do an end of season review with a twist. With a guest. All right. I might have had a better with it. Or two. Or two. We'll, we'll see what happens. Depends um, if his brother comes along. Do uh, do any of the surnames end in Thompson? Ben? No, don't start that. Oh, no. One episode. No, we'll, 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 we'll keep it under the wraps until it happens. Um, but looking forward to, to seeing what happens on the next episode. But as ever, lads, uh, pleasure. And thank you to the guys at the Rose in Jew, by the way. Lovely pub. Uh, good location as well if you're on your way to a, to a game coming from the Copner Baffins area or just around the area in general come down they do I'm, like, I'm just looking to do a curry night on a Wednesday as well. oh we should have come on Chris Wednesday. night on a Thursday oh. do you know what we should at some point we should actually Purposely try and, go, yeah. we should do a podcast on a Wednesday night so we could have curry night as well that would be shout. class we need, yeah, we need to try. imagine a madras talking uh, about a 1-0 victory you, of an off I tell you who followed us though I would be in my zone I tell you who followed us that well-known curry house on Albert Road. Really? Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can do an episode there. Oh, I didn't know that. Stop trying to blag freebies. No, that's a good shout though. God, yeah. Jeff's, Jeff's third eye will be sponsored by the <laughs> restaurant that makes his ring piece sting. Jeff ring sting. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce ring. Oh no, my. Oh. oh my. We need to end this podcast. Yeah, let's go for like two hours. There's too much morale going on around here. Someone get that Hoover out. Suck it all up. <laughs> Uh, lads, look, as ever, a pleasure. And Ryan, uh, mate, well done again for, for what you did in the week. Uh, All jokes uh, genuine pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm just glad it worked out for them. Fair play. Uh, yeah, and wish them all the best of luck. You know, it's gonna all the strength in the world. They're good kids. Yeah, all the best to them. Um, Jeff, thank you, mate. And uh, we will see you next week for episode 22, and it will be the final episode of the season, as such uh, a end of season review. And then uh, we'll see what happens from there. But we will be back next season. That's an exclusive. Are we going to be back next season? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. That's I think maybe some Twitter spaces. We'll have to ask yeah. the boss, won't we? Well, we haven't got one. Fuck right. you all. <laughs> 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 Spicy. It's yeah. curry night tonight, apparently. He's telling me what to do, we'll yeah. say. Right, lads, let's go, because we're going to be all night. Uh, all the best, and thank you for listening to Three Lads in the Pub. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.